Hey ladies and gents and welcome to our pre-E3 coverage talking about predictions and everything that can happen during the conferences. We're talking about Ubisoft. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Praise the sun. Jordan. Jared, it's been a long time coming, but I think we might be going back to the lands of Persia. <laughs> and uh, we have a guest every year for each of the conferences. Uh, most of the time we try to bring back the same guest for the same conference, but that doesn't always happen. Last year he joined us for the EA discussions, and this year he's joining us for Ubisoft. Chris. Dude, I am so excited about, about those two princes. <laughs> the two princes. Uh, yeah, let's hop into it. So normally, if you're not familiar with the way we handle pre-E3 coverage, we go over basically last year's conference and bring up the announcements and reveals that are relevant to this year's show, and then we talk about um, games and announcements and leaks that have happened between last year's E3 and this year's E3. And then we close out with predictions at the end. So I guess we'll start with the way Ubisoft started last year. Um, if you guys remember, they started with a Just Dance 2019 announcement with a little dance segment at the beginning of the show. Um, there was, like, people in cosplaying costumes. I think there was, like, a unicorn costume and a bear costume. And they just, like, danced around outside of the convention center, and then they, like, danced into it. Um, they had, like, a marching band and everything. I, don't, I know we don't have too much to say about Just Dance, but the one interesting thing when doing research for the show is that Just Dance always releases the third week of October. So the last three years, it's released October 24th, 25th, and 26th. So we can assume that Just Dance 2020 is going to happen, and it's going to be releasing uh, in late October. Do you guys think they'll open with that type of show again, or do you think it was a one-time thing, you know, leading with all the dancing and all that I think they'll, no, they I do think, that every year, don't they? Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Don't just, they clo- I thought they closed with it a couple of years, didn't they? When Aisha Tyler was do- wasn't Aisha Tyler that was doing it, and sh- and they did they would close out with kind of like the just dance stuff. Well, usually the I way they like... handle it is it was like the the last thing before the last thing, like the penultimate uh, sure. thing. They'd have the dance and then they'd have it, and then the last couple of years, to Jordan's point, I think they've opened with it. But they've always had a dance number. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's just where it fell okay. in the show. Um, okay, okay. This one was a little bit grander because it started outside and came in. A lot of times it's just like a dance number on the stage itself, and they bring out different people and characters, and they have, like, different eras of dance. Um, this one just, like, was a grand opening, like, inviting everyone to the Ubisoft press conference. So, uh, yeah, I think we can expect another dance number. People like to joke about Just, just Dance, but it is one of Ubisoft's best sellers, and... I think last year's uh, Just Dance 2019 came out on Wii, if memory serves me correct, which is crazy. Oh, I thought it was the first year it didn't come out on Wii. Maybe finally. that's what it was. Yeah, it was the, the, the first year that it hadn't come out on Wii. That's probably what it was. Um, but it's a. I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was, right? That sounds right. Um, yeah. The just, just, just Dance stuff is awesome because it's like them not taking themselves too seriously. Yeah, like, exactly. That's, that's what I appreciate about it. And it's, I mean, it's great for the casual audience, too, because it's a game that anybody, oh, it requires is you to move your body. You don't need to know how to use a video game controller. Move control, your you know? body. Move your move body. Move your body. Um, <laughs> next up is uh, something else we've seen in the last couple of E3s for Ubisoft, which is Beyond Good and Evil 2. Um, mm. Two years ago, we had the reveal trailer. It was very surprising. People were like, when is this taking place? It was a really cool cinematic. Last year, we had the uh, ship-focused cinematic where... Um, there was the crew inside talking, having fun. Um, they were cooking and joking about the, the chef's meals and they were attacked. 
because they were hovering over a planet's surface and they were attacked and they leave the atmosphere and they end up coming in contact with a giant like warship um, it attacks their ship it like captures it they get knocked down and um, the enemy boards their ship and you come to find out that it's actually a younger Jade and she looks like really evil and pissed off um, accompanied with that we saw some of the first gameplay we've seen which is it was a wide shot of alpha gameplay of them fighting in the that like religious type city that we saw in the first initial reveal of Beyond Good and Evil 2 um, it's interesting that they you know left it at that wide angle it's probably because it was like rough alpha gameplay in terms of what we can expect to see the game's probably a couple of years off still um, do you guys think we'll see another cinematic trailer um, I guess I'll pose this to you first Dom do you think we'll see like a polished vertical slice gameplay demo no you don't think we're going to get that <laughs> uh, I mean <clears throat> I think it needs to sit for a while I think You've asked the studio to put together, you know, trailers and demos two years in a row now for E3, um, and assuming it's like you said, it's still a few years off. I think eventually, you know, at some point, you give them a break, like, and just let them make the game and not have them put extra time into another trailer just for E3, right? That's kind of my thought. Yeah, Chris, do you agree? Uh, I think I kind of am backing that only because I think Ubisoft knows its place right now and realizing Cyberpunk and everything is going to be coming out at this one, maybe they pull back and hold off so that this game has a time to shine at the next E3. Yeah, it's, a, it's valid. It's like the, you don't want to get lost in the news of everything, right? Um, yep. Ubisoft happens on Monday, so it would be the day after we assume where we would see Cyberpunk because that would most likely be at Xbox's stage, but still... Um, if Cyberpunk has a great reveal, it's going to um, kind of sh- cast a shadow over Beyond Good and Evil 2. Um, Jordan, what do you think? Do you agree with these guys that we're likely not seeing this game this year? You know, I'll go ahead and make it interesting, Jared. I'd say you do get a gameplay demo. Um, I, I realize the fact that this is a large scope game, very large scope seemingly, and that uh, they are not like ultra far into development <clears throat> but at the same time I think um, this game has been kind of teased for a long time and uh, whether it was cancelled in house and then brought back later or whether it was just kind of uh, in development hell or, or revamped at some point um, this has been going this kind of whole situation and ordeal has been going on for a long time so I feel like I feel like it's about time that if we're going to get a game called Beyond Good and Evil 2, I think at this point we should be looking at some gameplay. And um, I don't think it's detrimental if we aren't. <coughs> uh, but I think that it's probably about time. Yeah, it's they. there comes a point when you talk about the scope of a game and how extraordinary it's going to be that you kind of need to show it off. And... There is an argument of like, yeah. well, do you want to show it off too early? And then the game still doesn't come out for years, so people are complaining that you showed it off too early. But then again, you kind of need to prove what you're trying to do with the game as well. Um, mm. For me, I think we can see a gameplay demo if they're clear and concise with their communication of how far along this game is. Like if they come out yeah. and they show a solid gameplay demo, but they, they back that with, we're still in early beta or an alpha or whatever, um, we're, we're still ways off, you know however they want to directly message it at. I think that'll be great. Yeah. I think the way they can screw it up is if they give us a gameplay demo and then they kind of act as if 
it is coming sooner rather than later and that doesn't happen you know i think as long as they're clear with their messaging i think a gameplay demo is justified but you do you guys do bring up good points and you know chris saying that it, you don't want it to be lost in the lost in the sauce of everything else happening at E3, which is valid. Um, who knows? We'll see. I that, that, it's one of the games I'm most excited for, and I haven't even played Beyond Good and Evil Two. I've just always been a fan of like anthropomorphic animals and that whole kind of aesthetic. And I think the first two cinematic trailers they I, nailed. They're beautiful. I dig anthropomorphic animals as well, but I especially dig when you're just going like full bore realism, like. Like, disregarding the fact that a talking animal couldn't be realistic, you know? Yeah. Like, everything about this feels very realistic in, uh, like, the way the animals move or the way that they talk. They don't feel cartoonish. And, you know, they, they say cuss words and they, uh, you know, they're adult, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, so, I really enjoy that part of the vibe as far as the talking animal stuff. Yeah, more realistic and less Disney-fied. Sorry, Chris. Sure. No, don't worry. I, I what I was gonna say is, is I don't, I don't mind if they show the trailer. Just don't give us a, a Mass Effect trailer. Don't tell us about how you're making the sauce. Like I don't care. Like, <laughs> like I, the either, developer either diary. Sh- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like either show us the sauce or or don't show it to us and just be like, hey, listen, we're hard at work at it, and we'll have something more to say later. Perfect. Yeah. That's all. Just I need. the whole meal, not just the yeah. sauce. Well, just give it. I yeah. think they've done a good job of you know the first time they showed it, it was just cinematic. Then last year it was a cinematic trailer, which was awesome but then they did show us the gameplay and it was rough and it was from a wide shot but they did add a little bit to it so this year if they're building on that the same way it would be great to see another amazing cinematic trailer and then like a solid vertical slice demo um they just need to be clear with the communication and set up people's expectations for when this game's releasing so um next up rainbow six siege this is a game that often gets forgotten about simply because it's been successful for so long that people just kind of put it in the back of their minds um, they, they recently had their Pro League Finals, um, and there's an upcoming uh-huh. Operation, which is Operation Phantom Sight. It's going to be releasing some new characters to the game. Um, people are assuming it's going to release June 11th, which would be the day after Ubisoft's conference. There is no set date on it yet, but they tend to do a reveal trailer and then release it uh, less than a month later. Um, yeah, it's... With Rainbow Six Siege, we often get the big esports presentation, right, when they come out on stage and, like, our esports is doing well, the game is doing well. And I think people often just overlook it because of how successful it's been. Um, what do you guys expect from this? Do you guys just think it's going to be the normal thing we've seen where it's like, hey, our esports are doing well, there's this new operation coming out? I don't expect them to be even close to announcing a sequel, right? This game is doing so well. There's no reason to expect that. Yeah, I don't fix what isn't broken, right? Yeah. Yeah, Anything I kind of feel like that. I feel like they're gonna talk more to the like the Apex situation where they are they're talking about how they're doing constant updates versus how they're the the updates aren't so lengthy. Like it's not taking so long for these updates to come out, um, and so maybe they can kind of beat their chest a little bit about that on how they're constantly updating the game, constantly listening to their crowd, you know, making adjustments when necessary, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean they are they are a true example of longevity, right, and being able to keep an audience engaged over the course of time. So it's something Ubisoft's done really well in general, and Rainbow Six Siege is like a prime example. But later we'll talk about For Honor and how crazy that's been going because Rainbow Six Siege was kind of panned at launch, and then it quickly turned around. Well, not quickly, but it turned around, and people started talking about it again. With For Honor, it was panned, and then no one talked about it, but then it still found its footing. So Ubisoft has a way with these type of games to engage the audience over a long amount of time. 
Um, Jordan, is there anything you want to say about Rainbow Six Siege? Um, not necessarily. I think that it wouldn't be out of the... I wouldn't be surprised if they announced a sequel, but it doesn't seem like that's necessarily how they're going to handle this situation since they are, at this point, the the longevity of the game is, is established. So... Um, they could, I think they could successfully keep moving along with this platform that they've already built. Yeah. Um, next up, Trials Rising. So, Trials is one of my favorite franchises I've talked about on the podcast. I was yeah. excited when Trials Rising was announced last year at E3. I was excited when the release uh, happened and it came out. Um, I talked about on the podcast my own experiences with it. I thought it was a good game. wasn't as good as the previous Trials um, release, but it was still pretty solid. They had some issues in terms of the way they laid out the map and how you can find challenges, and it just seemed a little bit messy in terms of overall design. But there were some great things added. There was a University of Trials segment, which brought on a community member who had YouTube videos showing people how to get good at Trials because it is a game that can get very difficult. And they saw that he was a star member in their community, and they, he was brought on to do the tutorials in this game, which is really cool. Uh, they recently released their first DLC, which is 66. It was released in mid-April. It was themed around Route 66, right, in the American Southwest. Their second DLC, Crash and Sunburn, um, you know, nowadays we get roadmaps for every game that comes out. And on the roadmap, this was the second DLC, Crash and Sunburn. Uh, you'd assume it's probably like setting California or something like that. Uh, the general consensus is that this is coming out mid-summer. Makes sense with even the titling of the DLC. Uh, I don't know if you guys have too much to say about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get another appearance from the Red Links guys talking about the second DLC and it uh, coming out. I wouldn't even be surprised if we got a Trials of the Blood Dragon type announcement where it's another Ubisoft game entering the fold. Um, they usually tend to go wacky, so I would be shocked if it was like a Division 2 crossover. Who knows? Um, is there anything you guys want to say about Trials Rising? I don't know if any of you t any of you are interested in it or have thoughts about the second DLC announcement. Possible Trials of the Blood Dragon 2, Jared? Maybe. Um, I, people really liked that uh, expansion. It was more of like a standalone. It's it was, That thing yeah. was wacky. Like You could ride a unicorn. There was like a cat character instead of a, a motorcycle rider. Uh, there was a really cool set of levels in it where you had to rescue a wizard, a knight, and I think like a paladin or something. It was like very RPG inspired. Um, mm. I don't know if they would do a sequel to it necessarily because I don't know. We're kind of far out from Blood Dragon at this point, but I think the name in and of itself, people understand what they're getting. I just don't know how successful that first standalone was. I know it was entertaining from like a YouTube standpoint, but in terms of actual sales, I don't know how well that sold on its own, you know, being so far removed from the initial trials experience. Not sure. Yep. Uh, Chris, Dom, anything to add? Not no. really. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's completely understandable. Uh, I know this is something that Chris is probably going to have something to talk about. Uh, the Division 2. So this game came out uh, to pretty resounding critical acclaim. People were really enjoying it in terms of the game's service space. It's one of the, the few games that people have been mostly happy about obviously there's plenty of people having their uh, issues with it but they recently released operation dark hours raid um funny enough no one on console has completed the raid yet it's only been completed on pc so far um so chuck it up for the pc game boys uh who normally get the shaft from console gamers but 
yeah, this raid is pretty difficult. Uh, unlike, you know, the Destiny raids, uh, this seems pretty hard, especially for people on console specifically. Um, outside of the raid, there's also with their roadmap, because I, like I previously mentioned, every game has a roadmap road map nowadays. That's a tongue twister, apparently. A roadmap. A roadmap. Um, the first post-launch DLC episode, which is DC Outskirts Expeditions, uh, is set for a loose summer release date, so we could easily see a reveal hype, you know, story trailer for that as well. Um, Chris, we were talking about it, and you said you wouldn't be surprised if they kind of puffed their chests out and were happy about how difficult their raid is, right? Yeah, like, they're gonna definitely puff their chests out about that compared to the Destiny raids, um, and just have a conversation about lessons they've learned, things they've done. The reason why they have to do that is because they have to kind of dodge the whole matchmaking situation, um, and they also have to dodge the leveling cap situation, so rather speak to the positive over the negative that the, that the crowd has been kind of really loud about. And the other thing is, is um, you, you had mentioned the, the roadmap thing, and, and Ubisoft kind of like, not that, it, they, that they formulated that because that was done before them, but they've really adopted that for every one of their things, and I think that is a testament to them as a company because they're, what they're doing is they're just setting goalposts for their teams and making, it, it might seem like they're crunching in order to get to those points, but rather maybe they're setting those points so they have an idea of what they're supposed to be accomplishing as opposed to just leaving it wide open. Yeah, and I mean, there's this whole conversation right now between like, so Fortnite and Apex, they're very different in terms of, we've heard stories from uh, Epic developers that uh, there's a lot of crunch and a lot of bad things happening um, with working on Fortnite because they are trying to meet the demand of the constant updates, right? And with Apex, Vince Impella has came out and stated, who's the head of Respawn, that the updates are slower for Apex because they are trying to have a healthier environment for the game. On the gamer side of it, you know, gamers are getting bored and frustrated with Apex because it isn't having as many constant updates as Fortnite. And people with Fortnite are happy that it's getting updated often, but also there's, like, weapons that are getting removed and there's constant issues with what they remove and add and what they nerf and what they don't nerf. Um, with Ubisoft, having the roadmap, I think... They, they don't necessarily take a long time with their updates, but knowing what's coming and when it's usually coming is helpful. I think if Apex was a little bit clearer in when specific things because they have like a root like a, a loose roadmap but it's not like very specific i think ubisoft has showcased that having a, a specified roadmap can engage your community for long courses of time we've seen it with multiple you know titles for them um the expeditions dlc episode i'm assuming that that's because the way they've talked about their dlc they touted at last year's e3 that uh their dlc was free right all their updates? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for the first year. Yep. Yeah, so this is going to be free to people who already own Division 2, which is great. Um, and it seems like it's going to be a substantial update. Um, yeah, it's Division 2 is, is very interesting because I think it's still in the, in the honeymoon phase in terms of gamers playing a games-as-a-service game. Um, I'm interested to see months from now, towards the end of the year, how it's still faring because... We've seen games as service games come out and have really solid starts, and then they kind of wane off. But Ubisoft is a company that has done a good job of turning things around, even with the first division. Uh, people had issues with that game, and it did turn on quite drastically. Uh, Jordan or Don, do you guys have anything to say about Division 2? No. Mm. Thought about <laughs> jumping in for a while now. Yeah. I've thought about it too. Um, it's just like, it's one of, games as service games are so tough because if you don't jump in at launch, it's even 
it's even a higher magnitude of uh, of FOMO on top of the fact that you feel even farther behind if you ever do decide to jump in, you know. Whereas like with a single player game, you can jump in later and you're missing out on the zeitgeist conversation of it all. With a, a games as service game, you're kind of missing out on everyone progressing at the same time, and you kind of feel like you're constantly doing catch up, right? And some of these alleviate that with DLC where they have like easy ways to get up to the current level or around the current level. Um, but yeah, I just it's one of the ships that hurts the most missing. Um, when I think about possibly jumping in, it's like oh, I have to do all of this catch up, you know. But there's a yeah, lot of updates not... that happen, and you get a better product in the end. So uh, it hasn't really been that for me. I'm just not quite sure that that is the type of game that I want to be playing, and so. Sometimes I'll kind of want to play it, and then sometimes I won't, and it just hasn't uh, crossed that threshold, I guess. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this. You know, we've had these weird Ubisoft-Nintendo collaborations over the last couple of years. Obviously, we had Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, uh, which was a crazy announcement because, if you guys remember, it was leaked before E3 in 2017. And people are like, this is weird. There's, like, Rabbit Peach taking selfies. This looks like a horrible crossover. Why would anybody want this? Then they revealed the game, and it was obviously a turn-based strategy game, and people really enjoyed it, and it actually exceeded a lot of expectations. Last year, we had the Donkey Kong Adventure DLC, um, which seemed like it went off fairly well. They even had a nice little musical number on stage for the game's uh, expansion. I was wondering from you guys if you think that not necessarily Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle 2. That is a, a possibility. But do you think we'll see another crossover collaboration between the two? Because there's something else I want to add. Uh, Miyamoto has been on stage two years running uh, at Ubisoft. He In 2017, he came out for the Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Remember, he had the, the Mario like uh, cannon arm looking like Mega Man. And uh, last year, they came out for the he came out for the Starlink Star Fox <coughs> collaboration that was announced. Remember, there was a reveal that Star Fox was going to be in Starlink, and he had his own missions on the Switch. Um, so there's a possibility he's on stage a third year running. Do you guys think we'll see another crossover collaboration? That that seems likely. Possible. Yeah. Um, it's it would have sounded weird if you asked this question, you know, three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Said, like, is this stuff going to happen? Um, and he, I remember he had previously said, um, you know, Mario will never have a gun, right? But then there's dude on the stage himself, uh, <laughs> Miyamoto with the, you know, the big blaster thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they obviously... do everything they can to not make it a gun. It's like a blaster, yeah. a beam yeah. cannon, you know. But yeah, it seems like they have a pretty healthy working relationship. So I don't know what. I mean, it's anyone's guess as to what you know another collaboration would look like, but. I wouldn't rule anything out. Basically, if you had if you mash two things up, I'd be like, nah, it's possible at this point. Yeah, uh, Chris, what do you think? Do you think it's more likely that it's a sequel to Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, or do you think it's something new, or maybe a you know DLC added to an existing Ubisoft title? I think it's more likely that it's a sequel. Um, however, there's a character that we're going to discuss later that I think is a high, has a high likelihood of having a collaboration, if any, uh, with Mario. Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, it's it's really cool because we've we're currently in a time where Microsoft's working with Nintendo, Ubisoft's working with Nintendo. 
playstations playing by themselves in the corner of the playground um it's I, I really like seeing these collaborations on stage and i really hope that miyamoto does come out for a third year in a row just something special about having him and Eve Gomo on stage at the same time you don't really get those often if you guys remember last year for the game awards we had the big three before obviously reggie stepped down from nintendo on stage together and that was something we thought we'd never see like those three guys in the same room much less standing on stage inches away from each other right so that's the type of stuff, that type of stuff is always really cool to see. Um, something that's not really cool. We recently got the news that Skull and Bones is delayed indefinitely. Um, and one of the things with that is that uh, the game director for the game, Justin Farron, actually left Ubisoft in late 2018. There wasn't a big like fanfare about it. People weren't really talking about it. He just kind of silently slipped away and left Ubisoft. This game has had a lot of struggles. If you guys remember when it was originally announced... There was a, it's had great cinematic trailers just like Beyond Good and Evil 2, um, but the problem is when it was first revealed, it was naval naval combat only, right? And people were wondering if this is a $60 title, where's the rest of the game? Is that just the way we, the, the current way we live in, in terms of games needing to justify their price point, right? So the following year, we saw that they added a kind of hub area to the game where in between naval combat, you would have these like, Assassin's Creed movement type little areas that you can explore and there's merchants and stuff like that but um now it's delayed indefinitely what do you guys think about Skull and Bones in the future of of the game will this eventually come out or do you think it's eventually cancelled I think it, it cancels I think it's gonna die yeah. um, and I don't I don't say that with a smile but um, I just don't have much faith uh, maybe in a couple years <clears throat> I mean, we don't hear about it for a couple years and Maybe assume it's dead, but maybe they revive it. You know, way longer down the road. But for now, I think it's uh, it's taken a long sleep at least. Yeah, it's, I agree. it's I agree. weird. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think its problem is is the the naval combat stuff that they were doing well, then got taken away by uh, Assassin's Creed, and then any of the combat stuff that they may have been doing well is now getting pushed to the guys uh, and gals over at For Honor. So like they keep splitting the what they're doing and sending it over like people like they're like that looks great we're gonna take that that looks great we're gonna take that and then eventually you don't have really you really have a game you otherwise people are just gonna think it's a mashup you know yeah i mean jordan would you say that maybe the way sea of thieves was received without a, a lot of content in it but the the ship stuff was cool do you think that had an effect on this game oh absolutely and also i just want to um Go back to uh, the fact that I mentioned Skull and Bones sounds like the name of a canceled game. <laughs> um, so I could totally see it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's it's funny because uh, obviously Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag came out. And for me personally, the ship combat stuff is my least favorite part of any of the Assassin's Creed's that have had it. But I know a lot of people loved it and they're like, oh, pirate Assassin's Creed game. And Skull of Bones is like, what if we remove everything else besides the ship stuff and try to make a game with that, right? And mm. the the initial still sell it for sixty dollars. And the impressions I saw is when people saw the Navy combat, they're like, "Oh, this is cool!" And everyone is kind of waiting on the edge of the seat for the quote unquote rest of the game. And when it was just naval combat, I think it took a lot of, for lack of a better phrase, wind out of the sails for people. I knew he was gonna say it. <laughs> so yeah, I do think unfortunately this is a game that we can easily see canceled in a couple of years, especially with the game director leaving. Um, it just doesn't. It doesn't seem like a game that can survive in today's current climate, and if you're going to have a game with that much naval combat, like Chris said, why not just have it in Assassin's Creed? Why make a game that's its own IP that's removed from that, and it's just naval combat? You know, 
I think what people wanted is Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, but it's just a pirate game detached from Assassin's Creed, and that's not what this is. This is just the, the naval combat stuff. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's not canceled, but uh, like Jordan said, it does have a name that you could see canceled. Uh, Skull and Bones. Um, next up, For Honor. We talked about this earlier a little bit. We touched on it. They recently added the Japanese faction to the game. Uh, Sakura and Yato are the two heroes, I guess you would call them. Um, I guess they're not technically heroes, but I guess it's the easiest way to refer to them, the characters, because um, they're not necessarily always doing good things. They were released in May and uh, for a Year 3 Season 2 update. So the way... For Honor does its roadmaps as it splits it into years and then into seasons. So we're in the third year of For Honor being released and we're in the second season. It seems like they're every four-ish months because season one was in uh, January and then season two was now in May. Uh, the third season is going to be starting in July, August and it's expected to have a new Viking hero. So we can assume that we're probably going to see that. Um, last year we had the tease of I believe the Chinese faction um, for For Honor before they came out um, with their cinematic trailer. Once again, I think Ubisoft does great cinematic trailers across the board, and For Honor is another example of that. Um, it's a game that is surprising that it's lasted this long, and it has had a dedicated audience because even less so than Rainbow Six Siege, people don't talk about this game at all. Um it is another game that, like, I've wanted to jump into, kind of with Division 2, Jordan. I've wanted to jump into, but it's like, I can't personally justify the price points, even when it's on, on sale, because it's just combat. And I know some people, that's everything to them. Um, it, is there anything that they could announce that would get you guys interested in For Honor? Is its longevity surprising to you guys by any means? Uh, well, yes, uh, but I'm going to save it for... The prediction section. Uh, okay. Okay. Good. Good. Little tease. <laughs> say little that. tease for what's yeah. coming. Yeah. Um, Jordan or Chris, are you guys surprised at For Honor's uh, longevity and uh, these constant updates they're having with new heroes? I am. I mean, I th this For Honor to me seems <clears throat> more like a PC game. Like, like that's like it just it ha it it rings PC crowd to me, and yet it's having such success on console. So I'm actually really shocked. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it was a mod or if it was an actual update, but. I saw like some gameplay of you know that's for honor, but with lightsabers. Um, mod. <laughs> it's gonna be a mod, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. I don't know. That does sound cool. That that, yeah. that is really cool. Obviously, the, EA has the, the Star Wars crowd. license, so it couldn't be official. Well, not yeah. They couldn't call it lightsabers or whatever. <laughs> the PC crowd comment uh, that made me reminded me of that because yeah. The one the, thing I'm the laser about sword it... update. Sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Oh no. I was gonna say yeah, did you guys thing. see uh, Iron Man in GTA Five? It's really oh, cool, dude. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, I wonder if For Honor is one of those victims of like when everybody was trying to back Ubisoft at the time, so they didn't get Vivendi didn't overtake them, and so they were supporting practically anything Ubisoft put out at the at that moment, and like that's why it's got such a big crowd still behind <laughs> it. It's like, hey, we were playing it. I guess we're in it now, so might as well continue to keep playing it. But it felt like for a period, whatever they threw out people were backing even if it wasn't you know at top tier only because they just didn't want them to get overtaken yeah i mean i compare for honor a lot to um like collegiate and high school wrestling so a lot of people look at, at wrestling and it's like oh it's not a really cool sport it's just dudes like wrestling with each other it's not really interesting like you know professional quote-unquote wrestling where people are high flying and throwing people over the ring and stuff 
But the reason people who love wrestling love wrestling is because unlike team sports, you only have yourself in terms of blame, right? It's 1v1 combat. And with For Honor, it is that. A lot of times it is these one-on-one matchups, your skill versus their skill. And I think it has a lot of the fighting game community's interest because it is essentially a fighting game, but instead of normal combos and, and button presses, it's more of sword combat, right? And it's all about making sure you counter what your opponent's doing. I think that one-on-one combat aspect is what has people interested because in a lot of multiplayer games, they are mostly, outside of fighters, team-based, right? Um, and For Honor is pretty much a 1v1 combat type game. And I think I that's why that. people are interested in it. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, because it, it is it is essentially a, it is a fighting game, right? It's just not traditionally the 2D that we're used to, the Mortal Kombat's and Street Fighters and such. Um, we'll see what For Honor has to present this year. I think we'll see another really cool uh, cinematic trailer, um, as always. Hopefully they show off that Viking hero. Hopefully he looks like Tormund Giants Bane drinking that giant's milk um so assassin's creed we're in a weird position where normally we talk about assassin's creed every year um in some capacity because something leaks and we do have something we'll talk about a little later in terms of leakage but assassin's creed odyssey has had a longevity of dlc and they're another game that has a roadmap and we've seen the change for ubisoft with their announcement that they're not going to be doing an assassin's creed every year for the most part um, that they're going to be supplementing that with DLC. They have the Fate of Atlantis DLC going on right now. The ep- uh, first episode came out uh, about three or four weeks ago. Um, like three weeks ago, I think. And people are assuming that Episode 2 will be coming out in mid-June, which means that it's prime for a spot on the Ubisoft conference, right, to show off the second episode in that. Um, I was somebody who loved Odyssey. Uh, I think, Dom, you loved it too. Cassandra yeah. is a boss. Yeah. Um, I haven't hopped into the Fate of Atlantis DLC, but I do think once fall comes around and I'm itching for that Assassin's Creed experience, I might hop in and buy the season pass because by that time Fate of Atlantis will be fully released, and I'll dive into it that way. Um, I don't know how you guys are, but in terms of when it's a DLC like this where it's multiple episodes of the same story arc, if I'm interested in it, I'd much rather wait till it's all out and jump in. Because um, it feels to me like you're adding on a Telltale game to a normal game, and that's always weird. You know, you're just waiting for episodes to come out. So, I don't know how you guys feel in terms of the release of this and, and DLC in general that's separated like this. I don't think it, it's too different just because it's DLC. It's just, it's just, it is just like a Telltale game. Whether whether you added it on to another game, to me, is besides the point. It's, it's yeah. whether or not you like that um, episodic stuff. And I do. Um, I played the last, like, until this last season, of, the final season of Walking Dead, I played their last like four games as they came out. Um, so I mean, I'm into that. I, I wish I, you know, I'm always wishing that they were closer together, um, the releases. But um, I don't know. I, I could go both ways. That sounded like bisexual, but um, either way, I guess I don't have a super good preference. But <laughs> yeah, dig yourself dig yourself out of that one. Uh, Chris or Jordan, you guys have anything to say about this DLC? Are you guys interested? Um, is this kind of DLC in general something that you look at or, you know, pass by? Uh, I, I don't mind DLC like this. Typically what I'd like to do is to see what at least the first one out has v- before I get invested into that kind of stuff because I don't like buying and pre-ordering DLC without knowing what I'm, what I'm getting. But I appreciate the fact that they're actually coming out with it in a timely fashion, meaning like they say it's coming out within X period of time and it shows up as opposed to pe- like how uh, Spider-Man was 
and they were like, oh, it's going to be out month after month after month, and then they'd have to back it up by two weeks or back it up mm -hmm. by three weeks, giving themselves enough space to be able to accomplish the, the DLC without overpromising. Yeah. That's a good point. Tough line to walk. Yeah. yeah. Jordan, anything to add? Unfortunately not for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> uh, so let's hop into the lingering questions and speculation part of this um, pre-E3 podcast. So we covered everything that happened in last year's show in terms of its relevancy to this year's show. Now we're going to be covering everything that's happened in between last year's E3 and this year's E3. So we're going to start off with one of my favorite game reveals of the last couple of years just because I love the pacing of it. Um, and that was Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Um, we know it's releasing October 4th. Uh, Give or take about a month after Borderlands 3. Um, it's a spiritual success... Su Jesus, I'm tongue twisted today. It's a, a spiritual, spiritual sequel. Spiritual sequel, spiritual sequel, spiritual sequel. It's a spiritual sequel to uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is a game that I really loved. Uh, Jordan uh, really enjoyed as well. Um, like I said before, the reveal and the announcement of this game was, was great as well. Paced, they did a good job of explaining what the game was, then showing off gameplay, and then having a cinematic trailer that ended with the tease of John Bernthal as the main antagonist. Um, yeah, I, I think we talked about this in the podcast, uh, Dom, that this is one of my most anticipated games now. And for me, it, it's past um, Jedi Fallen Order simply for the fact that we've seen gameplay. I told you, the moment we yeah. see gameplay for Jedi Fallen Order... Uh, it'll probably overtake that, but right now, because I've seen what this game has to offer from a story standpoint as well as a gameplay standpoint, Breakpoint is something I'm really excited for because I loved Wildlands. The story was hit or miss. It was it was a good game, not a great game. I do think that Ghost Recon Breakpoint has a chance to be great with a lot of the changes they're making, and at worst, I think it'll be a good, solid game. Um, another thing in that announcement, they stated that we'll see more of Cole Walker, who's John Bernthal's character in June, so we're assuming E3, obviously, and we're not going to see PvP till Gamescom. So that's great that they kind of set the expectations there of like, hey, we're not going to be talking about PvP until Gamescom, don't expect to see that at E3. I think E3, they're going to probably focus on uh, a lot of the story and then probably give us some more gameplay. Um, I know you're you're interested in, in, in shooters in general, Chris. Where does Breakpoint line for you in terms of games you're looking forward to for the year, and how did you feel about its announcement in general? I was surprised that, that that was what they were announcing when they announced it and how long it was. Uh, I thought that, that this seemed initially as an E3 announcement, and then I got and watched it, and I'm like, oh, now I get it. They needed to explain. So, like, this was too long for an E3 conference and too long for an hour-long conference that they were going to have, so they needed to get this out of the way. I appreciate the fact that they just they went back and were like, you know what? What makes this a good game is going to be a story involved in this outside of the gameplay and they're, they're really trying to double down on the story aspect of this game and then the realism the, the realism so it, it wasn't on my radar or something that I thought I was going to be interested in and then after watching that 15 minutes I thought to myself yeah like I could see myself kind of digging in as long as I had some friends to play with yeah so that's very interesting because I approach this game as a single player experience for me and with Ghost Recon Wildlands I've heard people say that like it wasn't great on my own. I wanted to play with other people. For me, I played Wildlands completely single player, and I enjoyed it. Um, and I didn't feel that that game suffered from being played single player. I do think the experience of playing with other people is enhanced greatly, right? But something like Destiny, which we mentioned before with Division and stuff, um, Destiny claims to be able to be played single player, um, but it's better with multiplayer. I think that game suffers from playing it single player, um, whereas. I don't think Ghost Recon Wildlands necessarily suffers. 
Obviously, it's not as great of an experience as playing with friends, but um, I still think it's a very solid, good time. And with Breakpoint, I think they're actually making it so the single-player experience is even better than it was in Wildlands, simply for the fact that there is an emphasis on story, and the power dynamic has shifted to where you're somebody trapped behind enemy lines, and you're not necessarily going against like these aimless um, cartel uh, guys. You're going against prior and previous ghost uh, members that have gone rogue, right? And the fact that they're focusing on E3 with John Bernthal's character, Cole Walker, leads me to believe that they are trying to sell the story and they want people to be invested in him being the primary antagonist. Um, it Also, I want to mention their really dope Metal Gear-inspired outfits that the Wolves have, which is John Bernthal's yeah. faction of, of guys. Um, I, I think the release date is great. I think October 4th is a, a great date for this game. Um, I love that this is just another example of games... Uh, between their reveal and their release is like no time at all, right? Um, I love that we're getting this game in a couple of months and we didn't know about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I just love that we're in this era where we are getting these game announcements and the games come out soon afterwards. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much more than likely day one on this. Uh, Jordan, are you... I know you really enjoyed Wildlands. Where are you sitting in terms of Breakpoint? Day one. Day one? Awesome. Um, Dom, we were talking about this game, and I know these type of games aren't necessarily something you yearn for, and I, I doubt you'll get it at launch, but is there a chance that you end up picking up this game? Uh, is there a chance? Yes, there's a chance. <laughs> that chance is, a, you know, around 5%. Yeah. No, is there... you know, no criticism against the game. I mean, everything I can agree with, everything you just said, it looks cool as hell, but yeah, it's just out of my uh, element, I guess. Yeah, you're if you're gonna play a shooter, you like the the strictly single player linear experience, right? The the dooms and such. Yeah, that uh, not so much the the modern, more grounded uh, type combat, especially as it gets a bit more tactical. Um, yeah, Ghost Recon style. It's, eh, it's just kind of tougher for me. And the open world too, That's right? My it being like an open part world of Ghost Recon. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it for Breakpoint. Uh, really look forward to it. Interested to see what they have to show at E3. Something that we won't see at E3, and we're not. it's not confirmed that this is real, but all of the leaks and rumors about this game pretty much make it a, a reality at this point, as it always does with Assassin's Creed. And that's Assassin's Creed Ragnarok, or Valhalla, or whatever you expect it to be. Um, the Assassin's Creed set in... Um, I don't know if it's, it's not necessarily Norse mythology, but it's in uh, that area... Uh, we've heard rumors wow. about it um, with Vikings. I'd say, you, and, I'd say you're gonna you're gonna get some of that mythology based on the stuff that's in Odyssey, right? You're we're gonna, gonna yeah, we're gonna get the mythology, but it's not set in. It, it's like a like a. It's Assassin's not like God Creed, of War, or it lives. Assassin's in it, Creed right? Odyssey was set in a real world location, right? Whereas like with Norse mythology, gotcha. I guess. I don't know. It's. I see what you're saying. I, you're not gonna yeah, be I, in. Uh, what's the world called? Fucking. Asgard or Asgard, yeah, right, right. Any I of the you. realms, yeah. yeah, God of War style. Um, I'm really excited for this. Uh, obviously, God of War came out last year, and that was all about Norse mythology and the realms. Um, I, it's if this is true, I'm really excited for it. I'm glad that they're not doing it year after year. Um, I would love to see some part of it this year, but the fact that we're getting Assassin's Creed Odyssey DLC, we're likely not seeing this at all. Um, I guess we don't have too much to say about it because it's not going to be at E3. But really quick, an Assassin's Creed Ragnarok game, where does that sit with you guys? 
ooh, 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 way the fuck up here. Odyssey was awesome, <laughs> dude. And I yeah. and I was not like I had no connection to that kind of um, to you know the Greek Greek mythology or whatever that it used. So this is even cooler. Like I'm more hyped on this, um, especially after having played Odyssey. So yeah, I'm I'm ready for Ragnarok if that's what they call it. Ragnarok. Uh, Chris, where do you sit with Assassin's Creed in this game? Uh, I enjoyed uh, my time with Odyssey. I agree with the zero percent chance they're not going to mix message between that and and Odyssey's DLC. Uh, Ragnarok as a title, not a big fan. Like yeah. I think they, they might want to go a different route just because yeah. the whole Marvel thing is just like it's just too much. But uh, if it's in if it, they they need to be able to tell the story visually, which is a little bit different because how it was told in God of War was not only visually, but they did that boat storytelling. So they've got to try to figure a way to try to get that that type of information into the story without doing it the same way that it was done. So uh, if they can do that, I think the game's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there is an argument to be made that the Thor Ragnarok thing with the MCU actually leads towards it more likely being called Ragnarok because of the branding and marketing, right? Um, <sighs> people, because of Thor Ragnarok, people understand what that term means, and I think you, that quickly sells the game, especially if you have a cover that features some type of Norse imagery on top of the name. They're like, oh, this is an Assassin's Creed game set with all of those either gods and monsters and stuff. Um, I think you'll get... Sorry, finish up. I was just going to say, it'd be interesting if this was called Assassin's Creed Ragnarok, and then the God of War sequel is called God of War Ragnarok, and then we have all of these things named Ragnarok. It's like oversaturation with the title. That makes sense from a marketing standpoint, but I think, I at least I hope that, yeah, they'll get more creative, but I can imagine like a Assassin's Creed Valhalla or, you know, Valkyrie or something like that, I guess. I really like Valkyrie. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, anything to say on this? Have you pl- have you gone to Odyssey yet? I don't remember. No, um, <clears throat> I, I'm in a, I'm just in a weird spot with Assassin's Creed. It really pissed me off when I had to stop playing or just kind of fell out of playing um, Origins because of the fact that um, I guess microtransactions really started to become a thing in Origins. Like they've always been there. Uh, which is not something that people usually talk about. They act like it just popped up out of nowhere, but um, it really just started affecting the game in a big way uh, because they basically force you to do side quests in order to uh, gain a bunch of levels to get back to the place where you need to be in order to do the main quest, uh, which means that you either do that or you can, you know, buy their e-bucks, whatever, and get uh, Helix credits to boost yourself so uh that really 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 fucking pissed me off um because that's not how open world games work you don't like you don't finish a main quest at level 28 and then the next recommended level quest main quest is 35 like you're clearly pushing me and i don't like it when open world games push me to either do side quests or to buy microtransactions obviously um, so that's where I'm at with that and just haven't uh, I, it's like well I want to finish Origins because I know that you know it's been a soft reboot and these are kind of connected to each other Odyssey and Origins but it's just a, an unfortunate situation and I haven't necessarily wanted to jump forward to Odyssey yeah because yeah. Odyssey does the same thing and I was because I, I played it with that uh, pass that you know makes you level up faster so I very rarely um you know, had to do extra side quests to keep advancing the main story. But if I were, I probably would be kind of annoyed as well. Um, I, I played so. without the pass 
but I enjoy doing the side activities. But that doesn't mean that Jordan isn't justified yeah. in him not feeling pressure. Yeah. Like, if you don't want to do it, you shouldn't have to do it. I, I get that. Um, yeah. The last thing I want to say before we hop off is uh, to the next uh, topic is um, I'm excited for the change in color palette. Um, you know, mm. Odyssey is a lot of warm colors, obviously, because it's uh, Rome. Um, but with Ragnarok, I, I'm excited Greek. to see... Uh, Greek. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm excited to see uh, a lot of cooler tones, obviously, with the snow and the, the mountains and a lot of, you know, Norse mythologies rooted in blues and greens. So, excited to see that color palette change. Hopefully. Hopefully it's not a bunch of browns and yellows and reds. Uh, next up, UBR. This is a program we talk about almost every year and it never returns and it's sad. Um, we often talk about, is the program dead? Uh, you know, isn't the Nintendo Switch a good excuse to bring it back? Because we've seen the success of indie and smaller games on the Switch. One thing we do have hope for, boys, is that if you remember last year in a tweet when they were talking about the Child of Light Switch port that came out, uh, the director of Child of Light tweeted a photo of Child of Light being played on a Switch, and behind the Switch on the table was a script with the title Child of Light 2. Um, And obviously it seemed like a cheeky tease by him. Um, And I... Child of the Light is such a great game that doesn't really get talked about. Uh, I think it often gets overlooked. Obviously, uh, UBR also had Valiant Hearts, which I don't think it'd be in the best interest to have a sequel to that game. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, if you haven't played Valiant Hearts, go play it. It's uh, an emotional roller coaster, and it teaches you some stuff about real-world history, which is really fascinating. Uh, the Great War. So, yeah, I, I, I just I wanted to bring this up because... A, would you be excited about a Child of Light 2 announcement? And B, with the tease by the director, uh, what do you think the chances are of us seeing it? Uh, whoever wants to jump on board with that question. I'd be down. Well, I just want to say this about this whole situation. This guy is just like that other fucking asshole who decided oh, he was going to tweet out, Oh, I'm working on the new Splinter Cell game. This won't have any long-reaching consequences. Fuck off, people. Stop doing this. It's not funny. It's not cool. It's not okay. And you know that it's going to get people riled up. Now, I realize that this guy was actually probably writing a script, hopefully, you know, in hopes that it was possibly going to get made, but he shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't put it out there like that unless the you're in cahoots with the company that you're working with and they're like, okay, yes, this is how we're technically going to reveal the game is through you leaking it, you know, quote, unquote. But... Yeah, this is just getting really annoying that this is like a thing where people are like, well, I didn't know that people were going to freak out about it. It was not my fault. It's just stupid, and I'm done with that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I will this... say is the director himself didn't bring attention to it. It was more cheeky. But if it does end up panning out as a, an actual game, in hindsight, it okay. will be for nothing. You know, <laughs> Not bringing direct attention to it in the video where it's clearly in the background where you're making a video to like put out to all these hundreds of thousands of millions of people. You put it in the video, in the background, clearly visible. That is calling sure. attention to it. Yeah, this is, this is so. a guy who is, this seems like a guy who is told no. And so instead, he decides to post a video that has a script <laughs> and ha- has a Switch sitting out there saying, look, hey, if people play, if, if we get enough backing for Child of Light on Switch that we can get greenlit, you know, Child of Light 2, so let me put out right. the video and see what happens. And then it causes an uproar, and then Ubisoft is like, WTF, like, 
we told you no already. Like this is not we're right. not doing the UB program anymore. So like the game is not getting made unless you get it financed through Indiegogo or whatever the hell else you're gonna do and get backers and then that so that's what that said to me. Like when I saw nice. that, I was like, that's exactly what this is. Shit, I thought it was more accidental, but I, this is more fun than what you guys are describing. I'm gonna be the optimist. How the fuck is that accidental? <laughs> I'm gonna be the optimist. I didn't accidentally actually see do it. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be the optimist and say that we're gonna see Child's Light two this year. Um, I the thing for me is that Ubisoft has been working closely with Nintendo, and if I'm Ubisoft, I'm kind of troubled with the fact that my games look way worse when we port them to the Switch. Like that Assassin's Creed three remaster on the Switch looks awful. <laughs> that oh, thing I looks terrible. It. And if you want to still partner with Nintendo and have titles come out on their platform, Child of Light two obviously makes sense. Um, and to your financing point, Chris, who's to say that maybe Nintendo didn't didn't back Child of Light 2, right? And it could be a Switch exclusive. And that's, well, that's the only what I was going to ask you. Made. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, if you know, are they, are they, do the, does this come out because somebody else is backing it financially? Like, I, Ubisoft has no problem with making the product and, and, you know, doing all of that other stuff, but they're not putting any money behind it. So somebody else has to produce it in order to, for this to come out. So that would yeah. make sense to me. True. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that Ubisoft might not want to back with their own money, uh, Watch Dogs 3 has been teased quite a bit, and we've seen some long-rumored um, information on, on it. So um, it's expected to be placed in London. Uh, instead of having a set protagonist, apparently you'll be able to choose between a male and female protagonist with some sort of customization. Uh, for reference, Watch Dogs 2 released in 2016, and uh, Ubisoft described its launch as uh, soft launch sales numbers. Um, you know, the first one came out, it was met by backlash from the internet due to false promises of the first time we saw Watch Dogs to when it actually came out and how it, how it, it was, you know, pared down and the, its visuals were not as great as they were during the initial reveal. So at this point, I don't know if, if anybody would necessarily be super excited about Watch Dogs 3, but for you guys, what would make you interested in Watch Dogs 3 outside of it being set in London? And you choosing your protagonist, unless those are the things that would make you interested. Like, what would they have to show for Watch Dogs 3 to sell you on it? London, baby! Oh, God. No, I mean, that that part's cool, but... Um, you know, Jared, I'll tell you what. You know what would get me signed up for a day one Watch Dogs 3? Is if they finally decided we're connecting it to Assassin's Creed and they give that motherfucker a hidden blade. Ooh. That would be cool. Ooh, okay. I, I like that. Because it is. In Watch Dogs 1, you take down a dude who is uh, a, like a modern-day assassin. It, there are, like, clear connections. So... I'm Which, by that. the way, like, outside of, like, all of the the crap about the, the downgrading of graphics, I enjoyed Watch Dogs 1. Like, I played through the entire game, and I thought it was a really good game. Yeah, it's... I think my problem with Watch Dogs is just that it's the product of the generalization people have for Ubisoft. It's like the game that fits that generalization to me personally, you know? Like, I can play the Assassin's Creed and the Ghost of Recons that are these open world games with these towers and Ubisoft is known for. With Watch Dogs, it just, it screams like vanilla, like general, you know? Sure. Um, not that it's bad or anything, it just doesn't do enough... Um, that excites me. I think the one thing that interested me with Watch Dogs 2 is that you could essentially play that game as a pacifist and only use tech and never kill people. That's interesting. If you're giving me multiple ways to accomplish the same tasks, that's really cool. 
Because if you are playing a game where you're supposed to be this like espionage undercover guy, they can use tech to his advantage. It would make sense that you would have the ability to play through the game without killing anyone, right? Batmaning it up and making sure you mm -hmm. just knock them out. If that's something they lean into and they're like, hey, you can play through this game as a pacifist and just use this tech to your advantage to knock people out and stuff like that. Um, that would get me interested, like leaning into the options on how to approach missions and explicitly explaining that in their presentation. That would get me. I think you know what I just realized? This is the first time that this is the first Watch Dogs game that's in a place that Assassin's Creed has been before. Cool. Ooh, if it is in London, yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we haven't had Chicago and San Francisco, right? Was Watch Dogs 2? Right, yeah. right. I Were feel like they Chris? need... I feel like they need to come up with a way to make it less like Spider-Man with the whole like chemical thing where like you have that screen and then you got to figure out how to manipulate the in order to get the, oh, the parts to move. Yeah, cuz that's that's that shit's boring. Like it's boring. And then yeah, then like then all then all you do is drive with a motorcycle or whatever it is and you just press an X button and all of a sudden something explodes. It's like figure out a way if you can make that more interesting, I think that's how you can grab people. Has would, anyone ever been able to accomplish hacking being, you know, fun and interesting in a video game? I think the most interesting was Mass Effect 2 for me with, like, the orange grid stuff. But it's sure. just, like, okay. it's, I think the problem, if, if that was a game on its own and you were getting into a puzzle game, you'd be like, oh, these are puzzles, I'm in, into it. But these are puzzle, yeah. puzzle games added into an RPG or a shooter or an action-adventure game. And that's not what people are there for, you know? <laughs> Is so, The Witness the best hacking minigame? I guess, yeah. Maybe. So, um, with Watch Dogs... Portal, though, actually. I would love if they leaned into, like, detective stuff, too. So, like, instead of filling um, the hacking stuff with games that take up a lot of time, right? The hacking's an afterthought. And a lot of detective stuff is added to where you get to these places and you have to figure stuff out as well. Um, like Arkham? Mm. Yeah. yeah, but not as like Witcher Visiony, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah, like a little bit more difficult than that. Like you have to actually work for it, but in a fun way. Um, sure. I guess kind of like uh, what was the Rockstar game, the LA Noir ish, you know, minus the interrogation oh, yeah. stuff. Um, that'd be interesting. They could, I, they could piece it together like with the memories, like they do in Division. Yeah, I I just think there's there needs to be more of a hook to why it why it's unique, right? And uh, We'll see. I don't know if we'll, we'll end up seeing Watch Dogs 3 at E3. That's a question in and of itself. Um, it, we'll get to that later with the, the question about the uh, unannounced games Ubisoft has coming. But uh, I guess I don't know if there's much to say about the new Splinter Cell. That's possible. We already talked about the dumb uh, tweet from the director at Division 2 uh, saying that he's working on Splinter Cell and then he lied about it. Um, one thing that I, when I was gathering information... Obviously, we had uh, Sam Fisher was teased in Ghost Recon Wildlands. Remember, there was a DLC that added him to the game. Not teased. Yeah, like, they, he's in the fucking yeah, game. Like, yeah. Not um, an Easter egg, I mean. Oh, well, Michael Ironside does voice him, too, in, in Wildlands, yeah, like, which is awesome. That's the other thing is, yeah, it's it's all thing. And go. the other thing I want to add to that is I, I got these. I didn't mean to use the word teased. What I was going to say for Teased is that uh, Michael Ironside teased that he's working with Ubisoft on something else in 2018. So last year during an interview, they were talking to him, and they were talking about uh, him playing video game characters, and Michael Ironside came out and said he actually was working on Ubis with Ubisoft on something else. 
So whether that's a new Splinter Cell game, the DLC for Wildlands. Yeah, this was after that had released. Um, okay. Yeah, so he was just saying that he's working on something else. Who's to say that's not like a promotional thing for Ubisoft in general? You know, with him just voicing. Uh, hey, Sam wait Fisher. a second. Do you think that asshole in Sonoma was actually working on Splinter Cell, and then they were like, "Hey, you have to act like that was a joke. What are you doing?" That is a possibility. Um, another thing to me, which would be kind of vile on Ubisoft's part, would be that if like this was staged in general, he's not the one working on it, but they're like, "Hey, we want to you know stir up some buzz." Because if sure. if Splinter, Splinter Cell is not which is the that, thing that happens with like the whole leak the whole leak culture type of deal, I guess. Exactly. And with the fact that he wasn't like immediately reprimanded, we didn't hear something crazy, you know, it leads me to believe that there may be something else to this. And yeah, with, I don't know how you don't get fired from a company like Ubisoft from doing that with the, with the fiasco. Like if they do announce Splinter Cell E3, it does make it that much more surprising because we were set up with this fall, right? It's a normal tactic to like set something up with a bit of disappointment so when you come back with something exciting it's that much more exciting you know if it's played right yeah, yeah. who knows lower expectations yeah i mean the last uh, splinter cell was in 2012 uh, so it's been a while i know people... way, it's some fucking bullshit That's yeah sure. um is there anything else you guys want to add with splinter cell chris or or dumb no neither of you guys huge splinter cell guys um the last thing before we hop into uh some more speculation the avatar game we if you guys remember ubisoft signed a deal with uh i guess now it it was fox at the time but now it's technically disney uh to, to make the avatar game um they stated it won't release before 2020 which now makes sense because that's when we're getting next gen uh it's developed by massive entertainment the guys behind division division 2 and in March 2017, Massive announced that their next major title would be Avatar. So I'm assuming in hindsight they meant their next new IP, right? Because they came out with Division 2 in 2019. Mm. Is with the, I mean, the Avatar films recently got delayed too uh, in favor of the Star Wars films. What do you guys think about this Avatar game? Do you think it's not necessarily backshelved, but do you think it's less of a priority now? And instead of expecting it like 2021, 2022, that it's farther off because the movies are farther off? Dude, I think only people in nerd culture are caring about Avatar at this point. Yep. I don't care about Avatar. Talking, talk, <laughs> well, not caring about, caring about even having a conversation. True. About it. Yeah, yeah. To where we, we talk about, we bring it up every now and then like, yeah, there's more Avatar movies coming. Yeah, they're making a game. It's like, no one on planet Earth gives a fuck about Avatar anymore. And, I'm with um, that. Other than okay. other than the last Airbender, um, which of course is you know all very near and dear to our hearts. The I'm only sure. Avatar that matters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just cannot believe this Avatar situation with them. Like, oh, we're doing five movies now, and then we're gonna delay them and delay them and delay them and delay them, and now we're doing a video game, and it's like what? the fuck do you think people are going to do when these come out like people don't care about avatar the way you think they do now there's a possibility avatar 2 uh could come out the movie and you know have some new special bells and whistles that really gets us going but i'm not holding my breath i'm not betting on it and i definitely don't think that uh the ip is where um 
the holders think it is. So. It's definitely a product of like technology and not actually substance, right? I don't think you can find yeah. five people that can name more than one, if not just one, character from Avatar. You know, yeah. um, they can name the race, the Navi, but like individual characters, right. like yeah, it's Avatar is a weird thing. Uh, James Cameron's hey, like, oh, listen. it's a ma- major franchise. Oh, good one. Yeah, it's <laughs> a cover. franchise because James Cameron said it is. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, Chris, anything they got, Yeah, it's a franchise because they got Disney to buy in. Uh, yeah. So now, now it becomes a franchise. But my my kids don't know what Avatar is, and they're 11 and 9. So, wow. like, at this point, it, we're, like, Wow, we're they're sp- not even, like, like, they could have a conversation with you and they don't know what Avatar is. No. They're not even, like, five no, years it, old. It's not on the radar. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, like, not on the radar. Like, do you know well, what I mean? Like, it just wow. doesn't make sense. It's, it's, who cares? It was a product of its time. That's why a bunch of people went to see it. And a lot of people went and saw it the second time because they're like, man, did I miss what was so cool, good about this movie? Maybe I should go see it again. And then, I don't know. It was just, I, I this is way in the back. And Massive can say that, which is fine because they're busy going to be, they're, they'll be making their, the Division the 3 by the time this actually shows up. Exactly. That's priority. That's getting Ubisoft. streamlined. Ubisoft, need I remind you, you've done this before. You already made a shitty Avatar game. <laughs> why are we, oh, why yeah. Are, the, that's it's, funny. It's like this is total deja vu where, uh, you know, they have this license and they're like, guys, Avatar's a big thing. We're going to do a game. I bet you're going to dig it. And it's like, probably not, guys. <laughs> and who's to say by the time, like, maybe Ubisoft, maybe this deal isn't a thing anymore. We never know, right? They don't talk about these things until yeah. after the fact. Who knows what the, uh, yeah, who knows what the licensing, God, dude, Disney acquiring Fox, I do not feel, or I do not, I feel very bad for the people working there in the trenches trying to untangle all those uh, <laughs> wires because who the fuck knows what the licensing deals become at that point. Exactly. Funniest thing about that Avatar game is that whenever it's on sale, P, uh, Wario64 on Twitter, he's like, hey, a thousand uh, uh, gamer score for five bucks. Like, they don't even reference the game <laughs> just because it's notorious for having like, the easiest achievements in the world. Um, huh. Let's talk about Ubisoft's unannounced big three. So when Ubisoft was talking about uh, their fiscal year, uh, the following fiscal year, they said that obviously they have Ghost Recon uh, Breakpoint coming out this year. But during quarter four of this falling fiscal year, which is January 1st to March 31st, they have three unannounced AAA games, right, that are releasing that in that time. We don't know what they are. Mm. Now, there's a couple of things to unpack. What does Ubisoft mean by AAA? Is it what everyone assumes AAA means? We hope so. Um, <laughs> I think of all companies, Ubisoft knows the difference. Yeah. So Ubisoft stated each is a unique genre slash a unique experience. Who's to say what that means? Um, you know, it could they could all be open world games, but they all are individual genres. Like Breakpoint and Assassin's Creed are both open world games, but very different, right? In terms of core gameplay. Yeah. Who's to know what they mean by that? What I want to ask you guys, because I want to get into this speculation afterwards in specific games, but in general, what do you think the chances are that one of these three is a completely new IP, or even just a new IP spinoff? Right, so another Tom Clancy, which is technically not a new IP, but it's like a sub IP under the Tom Clancy brand, or just in general, yeah. brand new IP. Do you think that one of the three has a chance of being either of those? Yeah, one. That's a great, the Tom Clancy point is great because uh, people don't realize this. Tom Clancy's The Division is not based off of a previously released Tom Clancy, who is dead, by the way, uh, Tom Clancy property. 
it is based off of it's basically like the division is something that Tom Clancy could pr- probably have written you know yeah there's no there's no actual source material there and people get that confused a lot of times but um, they could certainly do that again be like hey this is probably something Tom Clancy would have been into and we're gonna slap his name on it so um, I I could see that happening again yeah it's uh, the reason I added in the spinoff IP is because I think a spinoff IP is more likely than a completely ground up new IP (laughs) Um, yeah, like it could be like uh, an Assassin's Creed spinoff, or like you said, a Tom Clancy spinoff. I don't remember the last original new IP that uh, Ubisoft did. I guess, but that's set in technically set in the Assassin's Creed universe. Well, it's, they're connected. I would say that's it, a totally new original thing. I guess, yeah. But when was that? When was Watch Dogs originally announced? Twenty fifteen? Twenty fourteen? No, it was. It came out. It was a launch game for this generation. So, so twenty twelve, yeah, right? 14. Yeah. Here, I'll I'll Google it real quick to see Watch Dogs reveal trailer. Let's see when that bad boy. Twenty. Uh, Jared, I'll tell you what their latest new IP is. You ready for this? Twenty twelve. So it's seven years Starlink. ago. Starlink. Well, actually, For Honor and Starlink would be the two. Yeah, Starlink. True. Um, but that, I would say that's a, like a triple A IP, but it is a new IP, so, so it is correct. I would say For Honor is that example. Yeah, true, true. Um, yeah, I guess, never mind. They have had some new IP. Chris, what do you think? Uh, new IP, new spinoff IP, one of them? Steep. No, I think this is three announced games. I don't think there's a new IP in here. I think this is stuff that they already had cooked in the books, and they're ready to just release it. When they say, I, I think it's more semantics than anything when they said three three unannounced games. And then you also have to think about games that, they, that are due. So people that are getting excited about a... a a random Splinter Cell announcement game drops in the fall. That's uh, that to me. That's unrealistic. Like they'd ramp that thing up to, and let everybody know from the mountaintops that that was coming. Um, and I, this is more like, hey, we're gonna do a Mario Rabbids two. Hey, we're doing Splinter for. Yeah, you know, we're doing um, Watch Dogs three. Like just those type of things. I don't really feel like you're gonna see something brand new from them. Yeah, and I mean with Splinter Cell two, given that Splinter Cell sells okay but not extremely well. That's a game that if Ubisoft is smart, they wouldn't release in the fall. They'd release that in the spring, right? Yep. So, yep. yeah. So, is this... These are all coming out within the span of how much time? Uh, January to March, so four months? So, that that tells Three me... Months? Um, yeah, three months if it's the end of March. So, that tells me that <clears throat> these are not... like. Maybe two of them will be similar enough, like Assassin's Creed and Division, let's say. But at least one of these games is going to be wildly different because otherwise they're going to trample each other. They're going to get all you know, step on each other's feet. So I think you know, obviously Starlink isn't a AAA game, but something that far outside of what we're normally used to with the kind of Ubisoft formula because I just can't see them releasing three games of similar ilk that close together. Well, you think about this year, right? They had uh, Division 2. They had uh, Far Cry New Dawn. Or what is it? Was it, was yeah. it New Dawn? And then they had yep. Trials Rising, which isn't a AAA game, but to your point, is vastly different than those other two. So Ooh, it's probably going to be something qu- like that. where it's like That's a good you know, point, though. Um, when we talked about generally, I think we'd all agree, yeah, Ubisoft's definition of a AAA game, we could probably guess. But I forgot about, yeah, Far Cry New Dawn. I don't know. They would probably call it a AAA, AAA game. game. I would but call I mean, it a AAA, AAA game. game. It's, 
It's a triple A game. It's just a shorter version of one. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why it's, I think it gets tricky. I would agree with you guys, but I think it's worth uh, it's semantics, of course. But I mean, it's worth asking the question, right? Because it's a forty dollar game. Um, if so, if the budget they new, put into it, I would imagine is like if half something of a in regular the style of a new dawn were to release in that window, that would make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the other a, thing that you ha- go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. I was going to say the other thing you have to be cautious of is the fact that this is Q1 and you're going to have new game systems probably at the end of Q3 in going into Q4 for next year. So they're, they're not going to want to push huge titles um, because they, they like to hop into brand new systems. They're like notorious for hopping into brand new systems. So they're, they're going to want to save those as launch titles for something else. But like something like Splinter Cell, you might want at the end of a generation because there is so much install base, right? So that's the game that I could see coming out because they want to hit on that before the next generation because it has been so long since the last one. But and they I guess also did they also did Black Flag like launch with PS4 and Xbox One and didn't have they had a different game on last gen. But Ragnarok that's a good cross gen. Ragnarok yeah, will be cross gen. Yeah. yeah. Splinter. The other yeah. Splinter Cell was was at the tail end of a life cycle too, wasn't it? Wasn't it the end of the 360 generation? 2012 yeah. was the last yeah. Splinter Cell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the year before. Yeah. Good yeah. point. So makes sense. Nice. Um, they do the opposite of uh, of Rockstar, where they, instead of it's just like one big game, they wait till the end and then they release it, and then they, we don't see it again until the end of the next generation. Um, some other quick questions for that you guys. Was, um, I was just gonna say they act, Black Flag was on last gen consoles, and then they they ported it to next gen. It was Unity was when they did uh, this gen and last gen game at the same time. Yeah. What was the... Didn't they release a game that was only last-gen 2? Yeah, Rogue. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Unity was the this-gen version, and then uh, Rogue was the last-gen version. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do that again. Probably not. Probably not. Especially since they eventually ended up bringing uh, Rogue to this-gen. I think Good point. they realized it was... So, before we get into our predictions, let's get into some questions real quick. Um, these are games that could possibly be coming. They're just ideas I have that I wrote down. And I want to hear from you guys. Uh, I'll position that each of you guys individually, and we'll see if anybody else wants to add in. Uh, go ahead. So, uh, Dom, what do you think the likelihood is of a third South Park game? Uh, the first one, uh, Stick of Truth, came out in 2014. Uh, Fractured But Whole came out in 2017. What people don't remember is that the first one was developed by Obsidian. The second one was actually developed by Ubisoft San Francisco. They haven't released another game since Fractured Butthole, so it'd be a three-year cadence in between all of them. How likely would it be for them to release another one in 2020 with the announce of this year? I think it's, well, the announce of this year, I think, very unlikely, but if it exists at all, um, rests on, you know, the, the South Park guys. I would imagine if they want to do it again, if the work, because uh, it seems like from everything you hear from them, it was a shit ton of work from them. Um, so if they liked it and they want to keep doing it, then I could see them doing another, but... If they're not fully in, and obviously Ubisoft is in to do it again. Um, I think they, sell, they sold well enough, right? But. Those guys talked a lot at the end of the first game's development about how difficult it was and how right. basically they'd never want to do it again. That's so the why the fact I'm, that we yeah. do have a sequel, that means that it's actually probably pretty likely because the fact that they were able to get over that and be like, it was very difficult, but we enjoyed it enough to do it again, uh, I think that it's actually almost likely that we'll have a third game especially uh since they've been generally successful i would say you know people seem yeah. to enjoy them the last like one got like eights for the most part you know it like right. reviewed pretty well yeah they're definitely critically successful 
Um, and it could be one of those three titles for that that the quarter four of next year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Chris. And it's possible that now at the point of the third game coming out, you don't need quite as much involvement from the creators, and they can just write it. You know, write the jokes, but they don't. They feel like okay, Ubisoft has made two successful South Park games. We can let them handle the particulars. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the theme was because obviously Stick of Truth was RPG, right? Uh, Fractured but yeah, Whole was superhero. Uh, you know the the superhero zeitgeist. I'd be interested to see what the third one yeah. was. Um, Chris, you teased this Sounds. earlier in terms of what we could see with a partnership with Nintendo or what could happen there. Uh, chances of a new Rayman game. Uh, Rayman Legends came out in 2013. I want to know from you, what's the chances of a new Rayman game? Do you think it could be Switch exclusive? Will it be a 2D platformer specifically? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a new Rayman game. Maybe this is a version where Ubisoft sends one of their characters into a Nintendo world and kind of does the Switch versus, like, the Mario feeling more like a Mario hopping into a Ubisoft game with the Rabbids thing. Mm, so yeah. So I'm I'm thinking maybe that, but I I can see that because they want to partner Mario with characters or cartoonish characters that kind of fit in that you know that style. And Rayman for for Ubisoft is their other character that seems to fit that bill. Yeah, man, it'd be cool if we got a 2D platformer, a Rayman 2D platformer that was like Rayman and Luigi. You know, oh, that'd that be, would be awesome. Yeah, um, Rayman and like you know we've had Rayman Legends and all that the uh, platformers, but. It'd be cool to just get like a straight up Rayman game. Yeah, I I I think he's for me, and this is I know he's not even nearly as popular, but I have a lot more nostalgia and love for Rayman than I do Sonic, and that's just me personally. And I want him to yeah. get his comeuppance. Like Sonic Mania was fantastic for Sonic fans. I want another like solid great Rayman game. I really want to see it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Steep earlier, Jordan. What do you think the chances are of Steep Two? That's what I was going to bring up is uh, if we're talking about those, you know, those early months of next year where the, this release window, Steep could be one of those games that is technically, you know, AAA, uh, but is outside of the normal Ubisoft formula that we're, that we're so used to. So that is relatively likely. I know it probably didn't set the world on fire sales wise, but did it necessarily need to? I don't know. Who knows? Um, you know, something I've been thinking about recently is uh, with all these major publishers, we really don't know. We can really only ever guess what is considered a success. And so some games get sequels that you never would have expected, and some games don't get sequels that you're wonder- left wondering how could that possibly have not continued on. And so Steve could be one of those examples that you wouldn't necessarily think of it as definitely getting a sequel, but it's possible. Well, and in terms of business, you have, if you have a, a solid business, you have a game that maybe uh, returns profits extremely well. And as a business, you want to be able to have an audience that is dedicated and loyal to you. So you do also focus on making games that maybe don't turn a huge profit and maybe don't turn a profit at all. But you have these other titles that uh, cover for it, you know. So who's to say yeah. that Steep 2 I mean, might be a product of another game selling well? And they're like, well, this is one we want to do, you know, for... it's. It's kind of wild when you think about the fact that we, other than Steep, we don't have really any AAA snowboarding games, and we certainly don't have any current AAA skateboarding games. So games like Session or Steep 
are filling in a void, a vast void in video games that is clearly, you know, something that people want to play. Now, whether or not they nail the vibe of uh, SSX or, you know, Tony Hawk and Skate, um, that's a whole other conversation, but um, they're at least attempting to fill a gap that is, you know, there's profit to be made there. There's no doubt in my mind that if you made an awesome fucking Skate 4 game, people would show up. Um, and to the point, uh, Steep 1 was released in 2016, so it's been three years, and Ubisoft Annecy, I believe that's how you pronounce that, uh, yes. is the last thing they did was Steep, and then they helped out with the Division 2. So they could have also been working on Steep 2 along oh, the way yeah. as they helped with Division 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm thinking, now, the more we talk about it, I'm thinking Steep is almost a guarantee for that window. Yeah. Dom, I got a, a doozy for you. A franchise that last released in 2013 that's been unused. We saw the success of Red Dead Redemption 2, though obviously this won't be near that scope. What do you think the chances are of Call of Juarez making a return? Zero percent. You know, do you think there's a zero Absolutely chance? Absolutely not 0%. It's not high, but it's not 0%. That's a long-running franchise. 1%. 1%. Uh, quick question. Say it does <laughs> come out. What Do you think the it's a higher chance that it's a sequel or a full-on reboot? Six years since the last Absolute one. Absolute reboot. Reboot? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, this and, like, Army of Two are sitting at, like, maybe 25 30% chance that we're going to see those again. Um... Army of Two is Ubisoft, right? Army of Two is EA. What's that, EA? EA, okay. But either way, I think, you know, those are two franchises that are have had enough of a gap that were popular enough uh, to at least, you know, have become a franchise getting sequels and such. So, um, yeah, the success of Red Dead, I would say, probably helps the chances because they're looking at it like, oh, yeah, we could probably do a Western and, and get people interested. And, um I would certainly be interested in uh, a Ubisoft Western because they probably wouldn't tell as good of a story or have as good of an atmosphere as Red Dead 2, but I guarantee you that it would be a lot more fun to play, a lot easier to pick up and put down uh, control-wise. So certainly something I'm interested in seeing. Uh, Chris, we've seen Nintendo partner, uh, partner with Marvel with Ultimate Alliance. We obviously saw the Spider-Man partnership. We know about the Square Enix partnership. What are the chances that we see a partnership between Ubisoft and Marvel? This has to do with one of my predictions. <laughs> okay, we'll get the good, good tease. Nice. If that's all you want to say, we can move on to the next question. Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll close out with you, Jordan, and everyone can chime in on this because I think this is something I personally want it to happen. Jordan, likelihood of Prince of Persia making a return. Do we get a tease? Is the franchise dead? Is it a reboot? What's happening? Fortunately, I'm going to have to be the same as Chris on this one. Okay, leads to your prediction. Uh, Dom, do you have anything to say? Nope. What I will say, because I don't think it's any of my predictions. Uh, my Wait, are we leading into predictions? Uh, yeah, but my, my first prediction won't do with Prince of Persia. So this is just something I'm going to simply state. Um, with Prince of Persia, my hope is that they take what has been removed from the Assassin's Creed franchise and dive into that, the assassin nature of Assassin's Creed. I love the direction Assassin's Creed gone. My only gripe is that it's called Assassin's Creed, right? It doesn't feel like what I fell in love with Assassin's Creed for. And people felt that the reason Prince of Persia disappeared is because they were so similar. 
now that Assassin's Creed is an RPG game and it's more about like you know third person combat and it's not really about stealth or anything like that I think this opens the door for Prince of Persia and that's why I hope that it returns in some fashion now so could we let that lead into my first prediction yeah so now we're going to be starting with predictions we're going to be going around one by one uh, Jordan will start uh, Chris will go second, Dom will go third, and I'll go last. We all have three predictions we're going to give out, and then a dream scenario. Um, let's try to keep it as concise as possible, but give us a little bit about what you expect with your prediction. Go ahead, Jern. So, Jared, the reason I wanted to transition straight into this particular prediction is because it has to do with what you just said. You were saying, um, you know, you like the recent Assassin's Creed games, but you also lament the fact that we're missing out on the classic vibe of Assassin's Creed of like truly being like a hooded assassin with a blade. Yeah. Um, and people have like continuously talked over the last several years about the reason that they don't have a Prince of Persia game. Uh, the last one would be so we had the Forgotten Sands, uh, which was kind of it was not a tie-in to the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, but came out around the same time, and it was basically like uh, 1.5 in between uh, the the first two games and the <clears throat> main trilogy, I guess you could say, the reboot trilogy or whatever. And then we also had the uh, just straight-up called Prince of Persia reboot, where you couldn't die, and it was uh, all focused on like one-on-one -on -one combat and stuff like that. Uh, which, if you think about it, could have... Uh, kind of led to the idea of For Honor in some ways. Um, this is, prediction is very concise, huh, Jared? Um, my prediction is we're getting... The reason that they haven't brought Prince of Persia back is because it's too similar to Assassin's Creed. Well, that problem is uh, no more because we're crossing them over and we're getting Assassin's Creed Prince of Persia or Prince of Persia Assassin's Creed, whatever the fuck you want to call it, but I think we're going to get a crossover here. And that will be the true classic it'll go it'll be both a true classic prince of persia game and assassin's creed game Ooh. sounds like a dream one <laughs> <laughs> no well one thing to point uh, out maybe that too yes uh there was an endless runner prince of persia mobile game that released late last year so ubisoft still is interested in the ip to some extent who knows yeah they haven't forgotten about it uh, uh chris give us your first prediction uh, my first prediction uh, was something that you guys were talking about uh, prior with the Far Cry New Dawn stuff. I really feel like that Ubisoft is going to go the way of having smaller titles with their off years with Assassin's Creed, and they might tell smaller stories within the larger story and do it that way. So I think that you're gonna they're going to announce something to the effect that you know maybe we have a smaller version of a story that doesn't deal with Odyssey but isn't quite Ragnarok yet. Um, and that might be one of their newer titles in Q1. Ooh, interesting. I like that one. Uh, Dom, your first prediction. Uh, okay, I wanted to get a little weird with these, but the first one is, is safe for the most part. Um, I'm going to say For Honor gets a sequel, but to be more specific, um, it's not For Honor 2, it's For Honor, you know. Five Honor. Uh, wow, jeez. <laughs> no, For <laughs> Honor, F-O-R. Um with a subtitle, um, oh, and they give that okay. a 2020, uh, spring 2020 release window. What's can, This doesn't have to be part of the prediction, but in your mind, what would set it apart as a sequel? Like, 
Oh my god, guys, I just figured it out. So I know I, I made a stupid joke with the, like, five honor. Think if they changed it, because you know how sometimes in a sequel's title they'll just add a letter, like, alien to aliens? What if it was fort honor? And you're, like, oh, Jesus. All, it's all about, like, building up your fort. Jeez. And then you still have the one-on-one -on -one battles, but it's, like, you have to prepare your castle. You have to prepare your your siege, whatever it is. Dude, uh, a so melee that is not combat, what I was going to guess. But. A melee combat battle royale would be interesting. Like, obviously it wouldn't be 100 players, but, like, a 50-player battle royale in Fort Honor, uh, for Honor, Fort Honor, uh, Last man standing. would be pretty dope. Um, so I, I think... Um, to get more specific on what they might change. I don't know. I know next to nothing about the original game, so this is tougher for me. But um, I was thinking they would start to introduce more, um, not settings, but like factions. But then when you were talking about it earlier, it sounds like they're already doing that in the original game. <laughs> um, so. Oh, yeah. And it, I, I think there's going to be a new core gameplay mode, right? So there's no like single player campaign to the original game, right? Or is yeah, there? No, there is. There is. There is? Yeah. Okay. Then I think they'll at least, you know, expand greatly on that part of it and make that a big emphasis in addition to, you know, the usual, you know, obviously there's going to be new multiplayer, you know, smaller modes and stuff, but I think they might make it a point to be like, oh, and the campaign now is like, you know, they literally say, you know, it's 10 times as big See, or something like that, whatever it is. That's the, that's what got me about For Honor, Dom, was that it was a multiplayer first game that has a single player campaign. And if it was the opposite, then I could see it as being almost more like a, not the whole difficulty Souls vibe, but like how Bloodborne is mostly about like, not solo one-on-one -on -one combat, but like low, you know, there's, there's not very many, uh, enemies at any point in time because mm -hmm. you would just get uh, swarmed but um, yeah if you like made it like a 20-30 hour or kind of like God of War you know like the God of War campaign I could see something like that in uh, in For Honor make it you know give it some RPG elements without making it the fully fledged RPG and that would really really entice me if they did that and really fleshed out the single player campaign um, and obviously you can still have all your multiplayer stuff going. but Yeah, uh, that's that's what I'll give it. Uh, the crux of the prediction, though, being that it's a subtitled. Um, and this is the safest prediction I'll have, don't worry. Um, okay, my first prediction. Uh, we're getting Child of Light 2. It's getting announced. Uh, and I think it's going to be a Switch exclusive. And uh, I don't Ooh. think it'll come to other platforms. I think it'll be a Switch exclusive. Uh, Will day it have some like Nintendo crossover stuff in it. Sure, but I don't think that'll not, be announced. Not to the extent not to the extent of Mario plus Rabbids, but like a Mario costume or whatever. I think probably but I don't I'm not adding that to my predictions. I don't think that'll be announced like during its announcement. Sure, sure. Uh yeah. so yeah, Child of Light two, Switch exclusive, that's my first prediction. Jordan, what's your second one? Okay, so Part of the prediction process I have uh, changed in my own heart uh, because I have realized, you know, a lot of these are shots in the dark. We really don't know enough to make educated guesses. And so I've decided I'm just going to try to will things ex into existence, basically. And so that's what I'm doing with Assassin's Creed Prince of Persia crossover, and that's what I'm doing with Splinter Cell. I think that this is... 
99, I'm 99.9% sure that this is one of those games that we talked about in that window early next year. And this could be the game. I don't think it's going to be like games of service. I don't think it's going to be an always online looter, shooter, anything like that. They already have that game. But I do think that it's quite possible that we will see uh, a Splinter Cell open world game, or at least, you know, sandboxish, you know, more open. So um, my prediction, to at least make it interesting, because we've obviously talked a lot about the Splinter Cell possibilities, will be that we're going to see a Splinter Cell game that is non-linear uh, in its campaign. So... Uh, whether that be a giant open world or more just like a smaller sandbox, maybe like Tomb Raider style, for example. I'm not sure, but it won't be a linear, um, you know, Wolfenstein hallway to hallway to room to room style shooter. Nice. I, I like that prediction. You may, I think you made a slimmer one in years past in terms of the sandbox nature, but... We need to get Splinter Cell eventually. It still man. hasn't happened, so yeah, yeah keep predicting it till it's real. Well, I think I predicted <laughs> Splinter Cell, but yeah. I don't think I've ever talked about it being open world or anything. Yeah, I it needs to happen, man. God damn it, Splinter Cell. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I'm what's your? I'm willing it, Jared. I'm willing it into existence. <laughs> willing it into it's inevitable. I'm inevitable. Yeah. Uh, as Michael Huber is my god. Uh, Chris, what's your second prediction? My second prediction is that you're not going to see any video for Beyond Good and Evil 2. They're going to forward <sighs> you over to the Space Monkey program um, and encourage you to sign up for that to watch post videos and that they'll discuss more at Gamescom, but nothing else <laughs> at E3. At first, I thought you meant it was just going to be like an audio interview for a uh, second. They'll no. have like a waveform <laughs> coming no. up on screen. Yeah. So no, no video is going to meaning no trailer or like gameplay. Nothing. N- neither or. They're going to just say that the uh, the the team is hard at work. Blah 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 blah. We're gonna, more to, more conversation or more to speak about at Gamescom. Um, and if you'd like to watch a short blah blah, go to Space Monkey program, sign up, and you can become a part of that. That's do we it. see Do we see Joseph Gordon Levitt on stage? Did you know? <laughs> no. He was there last year. Uh, a good prediction. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen, but it's pretty likely. Um, Dom, what's your second prediction? All right, here we go. I think things get interesting here, guys. So I'm going to say, during the Ubisoft press oh conference, Google Stadia is mentioned at least twice, separately. Jesus, okay. That's where things get interesting? Yes, I think so. I, this is a new thing. It's a new platform that games are coming to. We haven't had that. In a so couple not, decades, so. two two Dom's predictions. Creed crossover, but two, mentioning a platform. Good point. You are right. That was also interesting. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was the showpiece for Stadia during the the, the beta. So exactly, and that's yeah. why I think it's specific to Ubisoft. So, and I, I imagine like after a bunch of Breakpoint coverage, they say, "Oh, we're also pretty pumped that we're going to put this out on Google Stadia later later this year." Um, and I think they say that with another, at least one other game too. So that's what that's where I'm going with. Cool. I like so, it. I don't like it, but I like the right. possibility of it. <laughs> First of all, there's 0% chance that Google Stadia will not be mentioned because Ubisoft is the flagship company that's been helping them with Project Stream along the way, and then when they're advertising Stadia on stage, they're showing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, so I think that the, it's an absolute 100% chance that they'll show Stadia now what they do with it that is... Uh, my second prediction, I think we see a brand new IP that's one of the 2020 games. Uh, I don't think it's attached to anything previously 
no much more than Watch Dogs. So at the very least, it's like partially connected, but it's a brand new IP. Uh, it's pretty much it. Nothing else to say there. Um, so I guess the way it would be validated is a new IP, obviously, and then it being one of the 2020 games, we can't really confirm that yet, but if it has a 2020 release window attached, that's what will be part of my prediction. So in a, so it's a AAA game, too. That's one of those three or whatever. Yeah, um, and I guess we'll all have to come to an agreement on if it is or not. I think all of us will have a say and then whatever, you know. But I think it's pretty clear. Like, I think we all... As far as Ubisoft games go... You can I usually tell. Yeah, perfect. Child of Light, no. Trials Rising, no. Far Cry New Dawn is the bottom end of AAA for them, but it's still very clearly AAA. Um, yeah. Uh, Jordan, what's your third prediction? So, try to keep it interesting. Try to will things into existence. Um, I'm going to say that you're going to get a trailer for Avatar. Trailer for and, Avatar. And I think it's going to be like for people that are excited, which as I just said, I, I don't think that there's many. <laughs> it's going to be a big deal. I don't think that you're just going to get a little tease. I don't think that you're just going to get um, a mention or something like that. I think that you'll get a fully fledged trailer. Now, is it going to include gameplay? Most likely not since we haven't seen the game at all. It'll probably be cinematic, you know, CG. But I think you're going to get a big old, nice, juicy Avatar trailer a couple minutes long. So Nice. Uh, Chris, what's your final prediction for us? I'm assuming it's a uh, Marvel one? Yeah, my final prediction is the fact that I think, that based upon like some of the like the arrow shooting and stuff, that we're going to get a Hawkeye game. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah, some of that like, arrow shooting. What do you mean by arrow the, uh, shooting? Well, the, the shooting from Assassin's Creed and stuff, they've already got some of that stuff already kind of locked down. And so, oh, I, 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 I yeah, I believe that you could transition that over into, like, a Hawkeye game and, like, an adventure game. They're, Marvel's not going to give them a huge name only because of I, – I just feel like they're going to test the waters first. And Hawkeye's a, kind of a perfect example of a character that they could make into a, a smaller title yet still have enough pop that a lot of people would be interested Man, if he had like the Matt Fraction aesthetic mm. from the, his comic run, that'd be dope. Yeah, super cool. Mm. Uh, Jordan, what's or Dom? What's your third prediction? So I wrote this down, and then midway through the show, I realized this might actually be your dream prediction. And I don't want to steal that from you. Yeah. So let me ask you this question: Does your dream prediction for Ubisoft have anything to do with Breakpoint? No. So go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go for it then. I'm gonna say my third Ubisoft prediction is John Bernthal comes on stage during the Breakpoint uh, stuff. Does really? he? Does he you El Russo? That was Jared's dream. <laughs> you yeah. thought Jared's dream was to see John Bernthal on stage at E3? Yeah, he loves John Bernthal. I do love John Bernthal. Yeah. I don't know if that's my dream. Yeah, but, but I do what love is him. seeing him on stage at E3 gonna do for Jared? He's gonna yell Russo. You know, Punisher's canceled now. He's gonna yell Russo. And I'm gonna love it. It's just a hype moment. It's not a tangible, yeah. you know, Dude, product. Dude, John Bernthal on but... stage with Miyamoto would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Polar <see>? opposites. <laughs> the hype most moments. gentle man in history. Oh, man, that'd be funny. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> does he come out in his in his in cosplay, Dom, or is it just John Bernthal? No, no, no. no. He's just wearing, you know, like a T-shirt and, a, and jeans or something. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be dope if you wore a Punisher shirt. Well, I guess the the Breakpoint logo kind of looks like a it's a skull, right? So it could be similar. So it could have like a he'll probably wear a, a T-shirt, yeah, with that logo or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, my final prediction. Hmm. Let's see here. I'm debating between two. I kind of want to go head to head with with Chris on the Marvel thing, but instead, because it hasn't been mentioned yet, and I got to give my boy some love, I'm gonna predict something with Rayman. I think that we're gonna get a, a, a an announcement of a brand new Rayman game. It's gonna be a 2D platformer, and it's gonna be a Nintendo crossover. Um, whether that's Mario or not, I'm not sure, but there will be there a go. Nintendo character in the Rayman reveal, whoever that ends up being. That's a prediction right there, Jared. Thank you. Nice. Uh, that's my third prediction. We'll start with dreams real quick. We're running a little long, so I want to get through this. Uh, the dreams are just things that are very much not likely, but we want them to happen anyways. I'll start with mine. I want Ubisoft to announce that they're working in collaboration with Marvel on an X-Men game. I, I would love for them to do a games of service Damn. X-Men game. That's my dream. Damn, scenario. Jared. That makes perfect sense, dude. Yeah. I don't know. If, is that a dream? Is that is that a good enough dream, or is that oh tangible? yeah, that's, that's okay. a dream for sure. Okay, that's my dream. Uh, Jordan, what's your dream? Well, uh, I like Thor Ragnarok. So if Chris Hemsworth came out on stage, God, that'd really be the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> roast. It was specific okay. to Jared. <laughs> Anyways, just don't, like he do, he doesn't talk about John Bernthal literally every time we get on Skype. That that's how that would have to go. For Probably me to every other time. <laughs> Little do you know, Jordan. Dom and I stay afterwards and talk about John Bernthal for a good time. Just talk about just talk about John Bernthal. Okay, yeah. so um, I think you know. Sure, maybe my dream is uh, Prince of Persia, Assassin's Creed. I had to get that out there before. Anyone made a Prince Persia uh, prediction, um, but I still would love to see a Mario plus Rabbit sequel, fully fledged sequel, and I think that it is been enough time um, because these aren't, uh, you know, the ga- the games that Ubisoft's usually making, like Assassin's Creed with 4K graphics and all that. Um, so I think that. Uh, it would be really cool if we got a Mario plus Rabbids sequel that goes even further with it. Like, I'd like to see them in a world that is, uh, like, not necessarily connected to either of the two franchises. Like, if they went out into space or something, I think that'd be really cool. So, oh, cool, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, good idea. My dream is an even more far out, I guess you could say, Mario plus Rabbids sequel. Because now that, like, you know, like you said, Jared, when we're seeing originally seeing key art of fucking rabid peach taking selfies and shit we're like what the fuck get this out of my face but now that i'm on board i think now that we're all you know all pretty much on board as as a society then i think uh let's go with it you know let's let's do it hardcore you want like a clear jump the shark type of reveal yeah uh, you know there's a lot of things that toe that line you know like like, Blood Dragon clearly went over that line. And then New Dawn is, like, towing that line, right? There's yeah. other uh, franchises that will tow the line of crazy, but, won't, like, Rage kind of seems like it's towing the line, right? And it's just like, fucking go there, man. Like, I want to see some Blood Dragon shit with, like, dragons shooting laser beams. Like, fucking go there, you know? And I feel like Mario plus Rabbids is the franchise where you could go there. Because you're already, I mean, adding Mario and the Rabbids together is going there. So. Yeah, uh, Chris, what's your dream? Tony Hawk says he's working on something new. 
I think he comes out on stage and shows ha! up with Ubisoft. And <laughs> it's not Tony Hawk's Pro Skate, but something very similar to Tony Hawk's Pro Skate. Um, and they just kind of do like Could a Could he do that? Uh, his contract's the, done. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 was oh, the last yeah, one. That's why nice. they rushed it out. Yeah, his contract's <laughs> done, and he he taped video saying that like there was like rumors that he was busy making a new game. So we'll see. Yeah, man, yeah. That'd be he's got to know that like you know that that series has been totally trashed. Like he know he's got to know that like if he wants to do a new one, it's got to be like the old Pro Skater games. Yep, oh, I love that. Uh, Dom, what's your dream? All right, so this isn't super original, but I was never like oh jeez, I was never I was always indifferent to this idea. Um, until having been playing a lot of Sekiro, now I really, really do want this, and that's, I want that Assassin's Creed set <laughs> in feudal Japan, because um, I love Sekiro, and I'm, everything about it is fantastic, just about, but what, like, I miss, I want to have, you know, I want to get different gear, and upgrade gear, and use a bunch of more different weapons, and have there be more characters, and NPCs, and all that, all the stuff Assassin's Creed does, and I want all that, you know, in Sekiro, so i I, I, that's that's kind of the dream. Obviously, people have been asking for that for a long time, but I'm so, totally on board now. Not actually going to give you shit on this one, Dom. Uh, this is totally a dream. However, yeah. we already know what the next Assassin's Creed game is. Right. So. But imagine right. if it's a cat's paw where like, we do finally get Feudal Japan, but it is, like Chris said, uh, a new Dawn-type smaller Assassin's Creed experience. Yeah, so we point. do oh, get Feudal Japan, that. and then it's a smaller one. Fuck um, that. Dude, when we get Feudal Japan, they better nail that shit oh man and it, the fact that they're allowing us to choose between female and male protagonists like I would love to play as a badass female that would point That'd be didn't st- think of that like, yeah. whenever whenever Assassin's Creed Japan comes out it needs to be like how Assassin's Creed 2 changed the franchise or how like Black Flag uh, or Odyssey like revitalized the franchise it needs to be that level of like something yeah. really you know I just no think that's their like that's their fail safe like when Assassin's Creed starts dipping strongly. <sighs> and I hate that, man. That's when they'll go to I it, hate you know. That. Um, that's it for our Ubisoft predictions. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. We love to have you on. You're a great guest. If you can, let the people know where they can find you on the internet. Uh, they can find me uh, at Two for Noons on Twitter and at CertainEffect.com. Awesome. He's been a podcast guest before. We'll have him on again in the future. Glad for you to join us for E3. Hopefully, our predictions come true. Uh, the way it works for people who are unfamiliar, uh, we have a scoreboard for E3 with our predictions. It's each of us individually, the normies, Dom, Jordan, and I, and then the guests pull together their predictions, and we'll see who comes out on top. Last oh, year, I think Jordan and Dom tied for the win, if memory serves me correct. I don't remember. I know I lost. I don't think. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't remember who won last year. I'll definitely look that up in the future. Um, well, Dom had that prediction about... Um, uh, Frodo showing up on stage. So oh, God. Anyways, if you can, please follow us on uh, <laughs> iTunes. Leave us a review. definitely helps. Any review helps. Up in the algorithm, and we get to be seen by more people. Go to YouTube, type in Controlled Interest, see us there. Subscribe, hit the bell notification so you know when we upload. Like the video if you can. That helps in the algorithm as well. On Twitter, you can find us at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest, abbreviated. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. You can follow Jordan at Malamotis. You can follow me at Jared underscore. Like Chris said, you can follow him at Topher Noons. We'll catch you guys in the next E3 pre-prediction. Hopefully you get all of your dreams to come true. See you guys later. Bye.